Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? This week, it depends on where your loyalties lie as a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. Did you dip out on Wednesday night to go out to the bars and skip watching the the unveiling of Aziz? Or did you uh, you know plan your entire Saturday around a football game? Whichever one you did, or if you did both, you know, you're mixed emotions. But if you watched basketball, you are saying right now, it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. Not only did we get the dub, we're sitting here. It's Monday night, and Xavier has taken an L to Oakland at Centos. That's the good stuff. That's the goods. Cannot stress how happy it makes me looking up at the scoreboard and just seeing L's next to X. Over and over again. Extra large L's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we're not here to talk about xavier we're here we i mean we with? can talk about him i mean i don't want to talk talk about him but Man. if we're not going to beat him this year when are we going to beat him that team's not on our level my guy that team's not on our level my guy i'm uh, envisioning we're what how many days away we're just a few just over a week away from strutting into Cintas and kicking their ass up and down the floor that's how i feel that's how i feel hum Less about what they look, more about how we are. I think we're getting slighted still in the media, so keep it coming. Andy Katz left us off of his most recent Power 36. Top 36. Andy Katz, you are going to look silly that you're leaving the Bearcats off that list. Uh, Bradley, I think, was taking the the finals, the final spot on the on a top thirty six. So keep keep fading, keep fading the Bearcats, Andy. We're coming for your list. We're gonna we're gonna demolish it, Houston. That's gonna be like that's gonna be the upset of the year at at Fifth Third Arena. Houston's gonna come in here and it's gonna get absolutely throttled. Wow, wow, we're feeling ourselves, feeling feeling ourselves. Isn't it weird? It feels nice to be able to to feel yourselves in basketball again. Well, look, I, I want to let me say one thing. We're on cloud nine primarily because the king of all kings, Aziz Bandego, is playing basketball real-life basketball for the Cincinnati Bearcats. And all of the hypotheticals that we've laid out over the last weeks and months about what this player could mean to the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball program, all of those hypotheticals look to be a ver- very much a reality in his first game against Georgia Tech. The minute Aziz stepped on the floor, within the first defensive possession, he swatted a shot, literally into the crowd. <laughs> and so all of the hyperbole or what maybe was seen to be hyperbole about Aziz Bandego being the best rim protector in Clifton since the year 2000 is seeming less and less like hyperbole. And when you pair that with my my king, my my true king since he arrived in Clifton, the guy who I've bent over backwards to defend, to advocate for, to to believe in to sometimes unreasonable degrees. Vic Locken has shown up this season and decided to hit five three-pointers against Georgia Tech. And so when you have a 6'11", former center, now more of a four, who has adjusted his game to allow for a smoother transition for a player like Aziz Bandego, and hopefully in the future, Jamil Reynolds as well, he's accommodating those two by developing his game and expanding his game and absolutely bringing the house down at Fifth Third Arena. We have good reason, sir, to be very bullish and very excited about the state of the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. Question. Does Vic Lockton remain the points, the average points per game leader the rest of the way? I think he's got a legitimately good shot at it. I would my my money is it's tough. I think you're going to see multiple guys end up in that like 10 to 12 points per game range 
Vic Locken will be one of them. There's going to be a lot of open threes. And if he can continue hitting the threes at the clip he started the year, maybe not 50%, let's say he settles in at high 30s, low 40s. If that happens, he's going to score 12 to 15 points per game this year. And that could very well be the leading score. So I think he's certainly one of the candidates. Day-Day Thomas is a candidate. Um, besides that, you know, you're going to get the, the random skillings 20 point game. You're going to get, get Frederick out there dropping 18 because he hit six threes. It's coming from all over the place. This is not a team you game plan for by angling to stop one player. If we slow down Jaron Cumberland, we figured the Bearcats out. If we can just somehow keep Sean Kilpatrick off the three point line, we've stopped the Bearcats offense. No. For, for all their flaws that this team may have, one of them is not the fact that we're over-reliant on one player offensively. I think there are still flaws to be seen. I think there is still a lack of experience. We have still played a relatively weak schedule so far this season. Georgia Tech is in year one of the Damon Stoudemire era, and they are not a very good team right now. And if you watch just the first half, you would actually be alarmed at how he played offensively. Georgia Tech is not a good defensive team, and all they did was pack the paint and the Bearcats settled for threes, and it was an ugly offense. And we kind of huffed and puffed our way to an eight-point lead at halftime. But when you look at the second half, and you look at the macro in terms of what it means to have two rim protectors like Vic Locken and Aziz Bandego on the floor together, I think it's easy to kind of do the math and say, this team, as they gel, get more time together, face some stiffer competition, we're going to form into a very, very strong basketball team this year. Yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna harp on the lack of of competition that we've played, but one thing for the most part, I think that you can count on when you're playing, you know, the weaker competition is in in general, you see them playing a stronger first half. They're full of energy. They haven't been they, we haven't had a chance to wear them down on on defense yet. We haven't had time to you know just completely demoralize them. So, but what I think we have seen is is good halves of basketball being put together decent halves of basketball that are that are allowing us to you know yeah it might only be an eight point lead but then it's stretching and it's stretching and these games for the most part aren't close my you know except for the first game of the year these games have been uncompetitive from 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 the competition and that's what you want to see when you're playing these these types of teams because you this is where if you let a georgia tech hang around too long it becomes dangerous, right? It becomes a game that you end up dropping, that you end up, you know, you end up on the wrong side of a, of a Rothstein tweet. Uh, and that's, that's never where you want to be. You know, the epitome of brutality. Let's um, <laughs> say that again. The what? I say it wrong. The epitome. The epitome. <laughs> mm. The epitome of brutality. Uh Back to what I'm saying. You That's not going away. That that, I'm never letting you live that down. The epitome of brutality. Oakland defeats Xavier. The epitome of brutality. Is that even a word? It's not. Let's go to Google. Don't check. No need. I'm going to go check the uh, the, the Scrabble dictionary. Uh, but Epitome is like the, combining to... epitome and metronome. Epitome. Yeah, perfect. I like that. I'm going to create a new word. Uh, but going back to Vic Locken, I think it's going to be great when people try to game plan around him and that they're going to have to send defenders flying out to the three point line to guard a seven foot three point shooter, just leaving the paint completely void. Just, just leaving a giant hole in the floor for one of our guards to slash for a nice little assist from Vic. We already saw that. We already saw it in Georgia tech where they finally realized, yo, we got to close out on this guy. We can't just let him keep shooting like direct on three point shots. Somebody put a hand up. Somebody get this guy off the line. And at one point, I think Vic Lock and pump faked, dished it into Aziz Bandego for an easy dunk. Vic was truly feeling himself in that Georgia Tech game. Like that was peak. I'm comfortable. I know my role on this team. I'm confident in my abilities. I now am going to let that thing fly recklessly. And believe because I know it's going to drop. Vic Locken's becoming the new principal, the new president of the Let That Thing Fly Club. That's a All huge right, so, deal. So look at look at the guys who have seen playing time this year. Look at the three point percentage, and we have two guys. We'll say three guys that are below thirty percent. 
One is Oguama, one is Bandago, and the other is Day Day Thomas. Other than that, everybody is shooting over 30%. And even if Vic comes off the line of, of shooting 50%, which he will, you know, settles high, every single player on this team is capable of dropping, dropping in a bucket. So it's 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 gonna be really hard, I think, for teams to defend against that, especially when some of our three-point shooters are really good. Like we know that their averages are actually going to creep up as the season goes because they've they've had bad starts to the season on that front. So I think this is just uh it's just I'm just giddy because of what the the roster's construction here and what we're gonna see going forward, especially once we get some 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 more talented teams. I just think I'm ready to see some really good basketball. CJ Frederick is shooting 55% from three right now. Is that and amazing? He's had two seasons where that's less than 10% off of his season average. His freshman year, he went 48%. No, sorry, 46% from three. His sophomore year, he went 47% from three. His 55% from three is not actually an aberration. And so all of a sudden you have CMOS, CJ, Vic, these different options who can bomb away threes it does unlock a different element for the Bearcat team that we haven't really seen in recent history. We've had a, a random shooter before. Um, last season, we had Nolly, but he came, his shots unfortunately came from a lot of isolation plays, a little more pull up y. David DeJulius, same thing. Javen Cumberland's the last shooter that we had on this team where he's moving off ball, he's not ball dominant, and the, the shots come within the flow of an offense. And we now have multiple shooters on a team where the shots can come within the flow of an offense. The Georgia Tech second half onslaught came mostly in transition where the team is getting stops that get out on the run. Wes Miller commented this, commented, commented on this in his postgame about the fact that it was really the first time this season we've seen the team get stops, get out in transition. And the way CJ Frederick was able to locate and relocate to find open shots. He's so ready to just catch the ball and and rip it as soon as it hits his hands. And if he's not ripping it, he's pump faking, getting a guy in the air, and then launching. That was that was peak Bearcat transition basketball that we saw in the second half against Georgia Tech. And the beauty of it of it was that it was coming off of defensive stops. And we should have those in spades again with the likes of Aziz and Vic and Newman, and Day-Day. Like, there's just a lot of energy. There's a lot of aggression. There's a lot of athleticism. There's a lot of length. This team has come together quite, 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 quite well, Hummer. Quite well. I hope I, I don't rue the day that I'm that I'm this ha happy, this giddy about the team. But everything right now makes sense. Everything right now makes sense. And I just want it to keep going forever. I, I can't get the, the thought of... Uh... The like, CJ Fred just ripping in the Terran, the ripping in the Terran, <laughs> ripping in the Terran, the ripping in the Terran. The Bearcats, uh, Bearcats basketball, 23 24. The ripping in the Terran, the ripping and the Terran. Uh, so I'm, you, I'm, you hit I'm on something. I want to, I want to, I want to give you credit for something. You hit on something about the Georgia Tech game that I think is worth calling out. We had 10 players in that game get over 12 minutes we had no player in that game exceed 23 minutes that was day day thomas we had 10 guys play between 12 and 23 minutes nobody higher a couple lower this team is deep and so when you, you're talking about those first halves that you're going to get an, a, a maybe overmatched opponent's best shot well we're now seeing the effects of a deep Bearcat team that can just truly wear you down. Oh, cool. Cute. You kept it within eight points. We're going to continue the onslaught. Onslaught. We're going to continue the pressure. We don't even need to lean on Dan Skillings tonight. His energy is just sitting there as a luxury off the bench. I really do think that's going to be an advantage in just about every matchup we have this season. It should be a big advantage in the upcoming first tough game of the year that we've got on December 9th. And no, I know we shouldn't look past Howard. I'm looking past Howard. This depth, this roster is built to finally get a win at Cintas Center. If not now, when? Get it done, Wes. 
I'm definitely not looking looking past Howard. Uh, I have some I have some friends uh, from Philly who are Howard graduates. Uh, when they saw that Cincinnati was was put on the schedule, they were giddy. Uh, they hear me talk about the Bearcats so much, uh, but their comments were that they, even though the record doesn't doesn't show it right now, but they think that this is going to be a team that could potentially win the league, their league, and end up in in the NCAA tournament. So I'm not looking past them by any means. I'm also excited to see. I don't want to look past it because it is a road game. We, you know, we're 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 in DC. We're on the road. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to look past that at all. I think this is going to be a a, a great uh, a a great just a little 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 road teaser. A game that you should win. You should win handily, but you got to do it on the road. Yeah, I don't want tough. the player. The players shouldn't look past it. The players can go ahead and and hunker down, lock in, lock in, and get the job done at Howard. That team lost to Georgia Tech by three. We need yeah. to go there and blast them and get a road win. Take care of business. It's a it's a two hundred plus Ken Palm team. This is not something that should be up in the air or dicey. This sounds overly confident. It's the kind of audio or video that you could snip, put on the internet, and and force me to feel the pain with it for for eternity. If something does in fact go wrong in in the District of Columbia, come Tuesday night, but I'm assuming it doesn't. And I'm assuming the Bearcats are going to also take care of business against Florida Gulf Coast. And I just can't wait to get some real competition. And all respect to the to the team from Norwood, they are real competition. And that that home court they have has been a house of horrors for our beloved Cincinnati Bearcats for the past what couple of decades? How long has Cintas been open? How many how many losses do we have there? Someone tell me. Brian, Brian Schner, Bob Schner will tell us next week when we have him on the podcast. He'll tell us how many times we've lost there. But I don't think we we haven't for sure. I don't think we have won there in in over a decade. It's it's been over a decade since we've had a victory in that building. Yeah. So yeah. here here's what I'm seeing at Howard. Here's the opening line, and I'm just going to tell you what I'm doing from a betting standpoint. Bearcats are minus ten and a half with an over of one forty nine and a half. Uh, I'm going to pound. I'm actually going to split it. I'm going to I'm going to go look at what Howard is doing on uh, f- when they release their pro- their props. I'm going to take Howard's team under. I'm going to say the Bearcats are going to come out defensively, just stout, smother them. I'm going to take the Bearcat team over if it's if it even if it's at like 80 points, Bearcats are dropping 90 on Howard. Yeah, and then I'm going to take the Bearcats with with the points as well. If they let me do that, sometimes they won't let you parlay that that third piece there. But definitely going to parlay a Bearcats team over with the Howard team under. Expect the defense to show up. Expect the offense to shell out. It's going to be a complete game. Love the picks. Love the analysis from uh, Hummer. You look the part on a guy who's going to just rip off some advice for what you do on the with your gambling. Um, couple of things i will i will go ahead and and back down a little bit and tell people what i'm seeing that does have me a little if i'm going to be concerned here are my concerns here are my nitpicks day day thomas you mentioned the the three-point percentage i love everything day day thomas is bringing to the table in terms of energy ball pressure um attacking the rim creating some some nice comfortable space in the mid-range knocking down some mid-range jumpers the shot selection. The shot selection was a little bit rough in the first half against Georgia Tech. And if I'm going to point to some a reason that Day Day Thomas is shooting below 30% right now from three, my I think the main reason for that is that his shot selection has been poor. And so I'm hope, hoping hopeful that over the course of the season, Day Day does become a bit more disciplined in terms of when to shoot. It seemed like they were doing looking for the high screen and roll. And when it wasn't there and Georgia Tech just sat back and basically dared Data to take the three, he said, okay, I'll take the three. And that's letting the defense dictate what we're doing offensively and taking the path of least resistance. And and that's something I'd like to see worked out of his game a little bit while not losing the aggression, while not losing his desire to dunk on every single man, every single opponent we face. I love that. I love the ball pressure. His his ability to defend in the post has obviously been a weakness. I don't think he could do much about that given his size, 
but I do think we have the fix in two massive seven footers, which with huge wingspans, great block percentages who can protect him moving forward. So that's one thing I would point to as sort of, eh, it could use a little, could use a little touch up. What about you? Where do you have any concerns? Are you, are you worried about anything after watching a few games here of the Bearcats? Um, I don't, honestly, I just don't, I don't really have that, that many worries. You know, I'm seeing that we just, we just have a really dynamic team that can score in a bunch of different ways. Um, and you know, I think we have something we haven't seen in a while in terms of like just top, top players in college basketball, you know, Vic, Victor Locke. And I know you, like, you've really been high on him since the minute that, that you, you laid eyes on, on, on his beautiful face. He's in the top 25 for, you know, offensive rating in the country per Kempom. Like per amazing. Ken-pom? Per Kempom. Are you sure about that? 24. He is ranked 24. CJ Frederick, 67. John Newman has a has an offensive rating of 192. I don't know how Odio Guama is scoring up there in 153. <clears throat> uh, but with those offense, like that's good. Victor Locken is is also nationally ranking high in effective field goal percentage. Offensive <sighs> rebound, defensive rebound. The man's a menace right now. Like he's, he's been... literally being a menace. It's and it's fantastic. It's, it's oh. right. All We're the so haters, good. all the doubters. What we, say you now? We haven't seen in Aziz Bandango hasn't had enough uh, games, hasn't had enough statistical points to get the national rankings, but he's going to get up there too. Like every, we have a lot of players. We have a lot of yellow. It looks like a, it looks like a damn bingo card on, on Kempom right now when you're looking at the roster, just <laughs> yellow national rankings everywhere. And that's something we haven't seen in a long time across the board. So I'm just, I just, I can't really see the downside of the game because we haven't really played anybody who's going to who's, who's snuffed out that weakness yet. But I think we rebound well I, on both sides, offense and defense. I think we 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 play tough on defense. We play we play for the most part smart on offense. Uh, I don't see there's a single like weak point on the team where you're going to pick on someone because at the end of the day, say Day Day's having an off night, you're just gonna you're gonna flip it over, right? You're just gonna. We have some. We have depth. You, you mentioned it before. If Vic's not having a good game, I'm not going to say Aziz is going to come out there and maybe replace his offense. But Aziz is sure as hell going to replace the heightened defense, right? You have guys that are going to come out and be able to just. You're not relying on one person. It's not like I can't say this enough because I love that analogy. It's not stop Sean Kilpatrick at the, and keep him off the three point line. It's great if you're keeping Victor Locken off the three point line. You got to do it for C.J. Frederick too. Right, you got to do it for seven other players. You got to keep them all off the three-point line. Yeah, or you gotta... you press up on Vic. How much room in the lane are you leaving Aziz Bandego, who wants to catch every log, lob and dunk on your skull? Right, hundred percent. There's a lot of options and ways to attack teams with this Bearcats roster. It, Wes Miller, after the game, he spoke to the fact that he thinks there's a ton of offense to unlock with Aziz Bandego. It's interesting oh. to hear. I, I mean, he he kind of he he smirked while saying it. He said, honestly, there are times where I think there's more potential offensively with him than defensively. He smiled while saying it. You could kind of hear the laugh because that's some that feels like an absurd statement when you look at what he can do defensively. He had Georgia Tech's players just completely thrown with how he can test shots. You saw guys turn down shots. You saw air balls. You saw just a little bit more panic when you got in the lane because that seven-foot-one, eight-foot wingspan menace is standing there ready to swat it into the fifth row. And if he thinks the offense somehow has more potential, what is he going to unlock? Because I do think the team was overly focused on getting him lobs. They really wanted to throw him lobs and get dunks. And you saw CMOS do that with Victor, uh, with a, a Bandego on his first bucket as a Bearcat. But there's probably other wrinkles they intend to unlock other than just, hey, pick and roll, run to the rim. We're going to throw it up, dunk on him. Georgia Tech had that one locked up. They knew what they were doing to defend that. There, there's other wrinkles that Wes Miller seems excited to bring to the table with Aziz, and it's it's fun to think that we even have have more to see there. It's just it's, it's a very interesting, diverse team in terms of skill sets, in terms of strengths, 
There's a lot of different fun lineup combinations that are out there. We saw Wes Miller give CJ Anthony minutes, meaningful minutes in the second half, not because he wants to get the preferred walk on some time. It's because he sees a path where CJ Anthony could legitimately contribute to this team. And I think it's twofold. A, CJ Anthony is apparently a very good shooter now. He's turned himself into one of the best spot-up shooters on the team. Wes Miller at the fundraising dinner for Cincy Reigns said CJ Anthony might be the best spot-up shooter on this basketball team. Now think about what we've seen with CJ Frederick or Vic Lockett. And CJ Anthony might is shooting to get better than them, arguably. Um, I think he also realizes our point guard depth is fragile. And that, you know, the wrong turning of an ankle for Jizzle or Day-Day, and CJ's got to play. There, there's really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're going to need to get CJ comfortable playing, you know, five to ten minutes at important moments. And I think that's a that's a fun development, certainly a fun development for our podcast. I, I love having CJ on. I think he's a tremendous character. He does need to not do what he did in that Georgia Tech game, which is the first time he touches the ball, hoist a 22-foot three-pointer. That's not the that's not the path forward. <laughs> West Miller told him that I'm not alone, um, and I think he'll get the message. I think he he'll understand seeing as his coach has been in his shoes before. Hey, you're going from walk on to playing real minutes. You got to be disciplined. It's not about getting in there and getting your shots up. It's about playing within the team offense and, and just executing. Do that, and more minutes will come. Oh, God! Mm. I don't even want to. I don't even want to transition. I don't I don't want to go to football. I don't want to I don't want to bring this down. This energy is so high. I'm so hard on basketball right now. Looking forward to Howard. Everyone's going to we're going to watch that Howard game. Fortunately, it's not just a live stream on the Howard website. It's actually going to be on ESPN Plus. Let's take care <laughs> of business. So that's what happens when you win basketball games and you show that you can you can be an exciting basketball team. ESPN wants to pick your games up and put it on their streaming platform. Um, uh, that feels like a bit of a stretch. They're putting it on ESPN Plus. I said they're streaming they're, platform. We should never, we should never have a game <laughs> that's only available on Howard.edu. That's not how this should go. <laughs> Howard they- Howard.edu slash TV. Let's not. Hey, I imagine it's better than Flow Sports. It's not as good as that Hummer live stream from St. Thomas. I know that. <laughs> the epitome. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's What's let's life? chat a little What's bit about life football. If you can't make fun of yourself. What is life? I, I, the epitome. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to uh, talk a little bit about football. I'm I'm donning the FC Cincinnati hat. I chose to, uh, well. It shows I was invited. Football. Football. I was kindly invited by a friend of the podcast, Andrew Prenovic, um, to attend the FC Cincinnati soccer match against the Philadelphia Union this past Saturday. The timing of that match did conflict with the Bearcats senior night festivities uh, as they welcomed the Kansas Jayhawks to, to uh, Nippert Stadium to close out their se- season. That game, I see the box score, 49-16. Saw the scores after the FC Cincinnati game and thought to myself, I can't do it. I can't rewatch this. And I didn't rewatch it and I will not be rewatching it. But I do believe you had a lot of time to watch that final game, Hummer. And so I'm going to kick it to you and you can download us on takeaways, thoughts, big time observations. And if you don't have any, we're just going to shift straight into big picture conversation about this football team. Uh, I mean, we we ran the ball a lot. <laughs> we ran it well. Uh, basically, dude, we just let their quarterback run all over us, scoring scoring a crazy amount of touchdowns. Uh, at one point, you know, the way I have fun when it comes to these types of games, uh, I've been working on a, a little a little gambling strategy here. So this sounds de- a little degenerate here. You only get so many possessions per game right? 11, 12, 12 possessions. When you see a game like this getting out of hand and one team is just scoring at will immediately start betting that team to score a touchdown. The minute that, that, that prop opens up on the live betting and just hammer it over (laughs) and over and over. Um, I hit that like four times in a row after Kansas scored that first, their first touchdown. It was, 
the bank, uh, as our friends say, the bank was open. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt the season started to become, you know, it was, there were times that where you could actually get some, get some good cash on the Bearcats when they, sometimes they were scoring, but for the most part, every game, the bank was open to start betting the other team scoring touchdowns. Uh, and I think this was just, this kind of, this kind of just said it all. This game was the encapsulation of a disappointing season, a disappointing end. I don't care what anybody says. If they say this is wrong, I do not care. It's my podcast. It's Coomer's podcast. He generally lets me say whatever I want. We did not actually win a Big 12 game this year. <laughs> right? We beat Houston. It was a former American Athletic opponent. We did not beat any Big 12 teams this year, and we were defeated at home in Big 12 play. Like, it's just true. just absolutely trash of a of a season and, tra- and trash results you know give it up for the seniors and, and the guys who've been here and stayed like i really appreciate everything you guys have done without your contributions we wouldn't have had the past three seasons prior to 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 this one so here, you know, here. Bless, i totally, bless totally agree on that like that's not that's not tongue-in-cheek that's legitimate thank you yeah thank you yeah. to those guys thank you for the sean pace thank you honestly, to malik yeah. van to Deon, to uh uh Dante Cor- Corleone. Thank you. Thank you, Juwan Briggs. Thank you. Yes. Those guys, so, the contributions were were incredible. And they played for big time winning teams, teams with that had more success than any other in Cincinnati Bearcat history. But yeah, this uh I, I agree with you. As far in the Cincinnati in the Cincy slang and record books, the Cincinnati Bearcats have not won a Big 12 football game yet. That's just the facts. Yeah, I was gonna make a joke about it. Who <clears throat> was gonna win their their first Big Twelve game first, the Bearcat basketball team or the football team? You know, knowing the fact that we don't, you know, we don't actually play Big Twelve basketball school until middle of December, end of December. It's like, gee, I don't even know if it's in. We might not even play till January. It might be our first big. I think it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's the infamous January six. I kept referring to that uh, game against BYU. So. Yeah, they had a, a a big head start. The football team and getting their first actual Big Twelve victory. Uh, we'll we'll get that shot with the basketball team beforehand. Um, but I mean, it, it comes down to this: this year was just predictable, right? Like before the season started, before we did the roundtable. If we go back and rewind the tape, there are times where I think. I think if you actually go back, rewind the tape prior to the round table where I got artificially caught up in the hype, I think I said this was a three-win team. Or I said we better something along the lines to be careful. And you actually, I think, said it at the round table this was a three-win team. You were hardcore on the under. This was this this was a predictable result. Like I I think that when when you look at this season and you know, we talk about the this the the coaching hire. I'm just like, I just, what we weren't, I wasn't impressed from it from the beginning. It's like, all right, you're bringing in a guy who had some success at Appalachian state. He didn't really have success at Louisville, but he had great recruiting classes. To me, that shows that the guy it's, it's, is it a John Brandon? You get great recruits. So you just can't coach them. Right. I'm not saying he's like that, that level of, of, of bad or, or incompetent there. I think he has the ability to run a program, but it's like, what are, what are we seeing from this that's going to allow allow us to have reasonable expectations that he's going to come in and do six and six year one and say and say that's going to be you know not over overstretching? I just think you you made fun of me when I went on the gambling Gauchos podcast <clears throat> and they asked me the question of they, they asked me for a prediction like what record would I take year one in the Big Twelve what record would I take and I said look I would take six and six right now. If you would give me a six and six record, I would take that instantly because I know how hard it can be to move from the American Athletic Conference to the Big 12 Conference. I actually think there was a too much arrogance from our fan base in terms of what that move would actually be. And the fact that we were going to be seeing significantly more difficult competition this season. When I predicted the under, that under prediction included a victory over Miami. I think that that, that loss against Miami did more damage to Scott Satterfield's year one than anything that happened in big 12 play. 
the fact that we went defeated in Big 12 play, Miami did so much more damage to the the perception of this season than anything that could have happened in the Big 12 conference, which is somewhat funny because Miami turned out to be a pretty frisky G5 team. Like that's a that's a pretty solid team. And it was a game we should have won. It was a game where the game-winning field goal was blocked as time expired. Um, and so you go back and, and you win that game. Now you're at four victories. And you could chalk up the fact that we struggled so much in the Big 12 simply to talent and being overmatched and, and growing pains as you adjust to a new conference. What alarmed me more, it's not, it's not that we got the under. Again, I expected it. I think it was a... I think it was reasonable to expect going under the season based on all the variables at play, which all of the Scott Satterfield apologists have, have outlined in great detail in the last few weeks and months. But also the folks who are, 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 in my opinion, fairly realistic to say, hey, lots of elite talent left this Bearcats team on a disappointing Bearcats team last year, I might add. We lost talent. We went from the known of Ben Bryant, which came with limitations and came with disappointments. And I was certainly no, uh, I, it's not like I, I loved watching Ben Bryant play every snap, but we handed over the reins to an even more of a wild card. Someone that, you know, has the profile of a quarterback that makes a ton of sense in a Scott Satterfield offense. And he has all this talent and he's been at these big time programs. But when you see him on the field, his results were atrocious. You know, like he just he just couldn't deliver that any level of consistency in the passing game that this team would have needed to be a real threat offensively and to really round out the offensive performance. Um, what what really disappoints me most? This is a very long winded way to get here. This Big Twelve conference wasn't very good, and it was worse than I anticipated. There was teams I was bullish on that proved to be not as strong as I would have thought. I thought Baylor and Aranda were going to be better than they were. And, and they were quite bad. I thought um, Texas Tech was going to be a better team. We didn't even have to go up against Texas Tech. We didn't even have to play against Kansas State. We didn't play Texas. We played some of the worst teams in the Big 12 Conference and yet still did not win a Big 12 game. You see what I'm saying? Like it's there was plenty of opportunity to win games in this conference and, and just play better football, but it was it was undisciplined. There were penalties. Let me, let me pick up it was point. common themes throughout the season that just reared their head again and again and again. That's what most frustrated me watching this football team throughout the year. Yeah, let me let me pick up that point. I'm I'm going back and I'm looking at the results, and I actually see a path in you know when you put when you put hindsight goggles on. That this team could have won seven or eight games. Like there were close enough I, games. There's, there's no path. There's a closer game. So Miami won one possession game. BYU four. should have. What? I'm saying four. I'm going to count the wins. Four. That takes us to four. No, that's uh, yeah, that takes us to four. Yeah. Uh, BYU was a totally winnable game that we fucked. We fucked up. Yes, we should five. have won that game. There's a the path okay. there. Baylor. Super close game. We fucked up. UCF, Six. another close game. We Seven. fucked up. Okay. I give the eight as a stretch. If we would have won every single coin flip game, I guess we could have gotten to seven wins. But my, my point is we lost those games off of what you mentioned. Something had with, with whether it was all three phases, every phase of the game, we've lost them because of special teams. We've lost them because the defense just, just fell apart. We lost them because the offense couldn't score in the red zone. Something always, like one phase of the game always held this team back. Look at the Oklahoma game. Oklahoma only threw 20 points up against us, but we couldn't score in the red zone. I would say that's that stretch game where I was saying I could see a path to eight. Oklahoma, in my eyes, was a winnable game. No. We messed up. It was not. We had Oklahoma, we had we had Oklahoma on the ropes at third and nine, three and nine, third and nineteen on our like two yard line, and we let them they, rush. They were never on the ropes. They were never on the ropes in that game. That score is misleading. They dominated that game. They dominated that game because our defense played well. I don't. That's what I'm saying. You got the to seven. Is, you did a good job. You got to seven. You you talked me into the fact. That I guess there were theoretically seven wins out there if every but, single coin flip game went our way. And again. Every single coin flip game is not going to go your way. And that's okay, right? It's okay that you're going to lose some close games. It's it's probably a good sign if there's some close games. I would argue 
BYU was really bad. I thought that was a really bad team. Um, I thought Scott Satterfield after the Central Florida game seemed more disappointed than I expected, and I chalked it up to he must have believed that this was this was a very a super winnable game at home at Nippert, knowing the rivalry, knowing the stakes. He seemed more disappointed after that loss than any other to me, and I thought I thought that spoke volumes. Um, they went on to just smash Oklahoma State the next week, and so maybe that theory should go out the window somewhat. I don't know. We're just kind of rehashing what the season looked like and maybe some of the frustrations we had. I think they're valid. You know, I, I it, it was a bad year one. It was a bad year one. Three and nine is, is, you know, about as bad as I could have expected in year one with the roster we had. Um, it can't, it, it has to get better. I don't know. I don't know. The path forward is difficult. I will say we're seeing the transfer portal open up. We're seeing names start to starting to, to funnel in there no one necessarily concerns me in that re- in in any great way like i'm not gonna i'm not going to get overly concerned about any certain names entering the portal because there's a lot of work to be done from satterfield and his staff to Here, build this roster with the talent that he thinks is necessary to win in the big 12 and he's going to have his opportunity to do that there's no Here, doubt about it he's going to have opportunities Here, here's the path forward I think it's very similar to what you were looking for out of Wes Miller and maybe haven't found it until this year. But regardless of the results next year, we need just need to see better football. We need to see better football being played. If we only win three games, but those coin flip games we lose, we play good defense. The other team just happens to be better that day, right? Or they got the, the holding call that went the wrong way, but it's not you're botching a punt right that that gets recovered by the other team it's not you know just just care yeah, stop shooting ourselves in the dick we've said that before right like yeah. can we just play a so football game start seeing without better, giving better them, giving it away to the team like make them beat us just make them so, beat you so if we start seeing better play and we're losing close games but the record still at the end of next year reflects three and, and seven i'm not happy about that but i'm gonna say at least we have something to point towards that that shows that the trajectory is at least taking off the ground, but right now it seems to be nose diving into the mountain, uh, <laughs> the mountain of of you know ha- not having a, a season where we won less than nine games since two thousand, I think eighteen or seventeen, so eighteen, and now we're now we're at the the bottom. That streak barrel. is coming to an end. We knew that streak yeah. was coming to an end. It was a bit artificially enhanced by recruiting at a at a P five level under Luke Fickle while in the American Athletic Conference. And when you're out talenting your teams, we talked at length about being bored watching the American Athletic Games because there were no stakes. We either had to win by 30 or we were disappointed. That's boring. That's no fun. I did have more fun watching our our team measure itself against teams with resources and teams with more talent than the athletic. I didn't enjoy watching our team repeat the same mistakes. I didn't enjoy our team have such a terrible secondary. I did not enjoy the special teams mistakes. I did not enjoy how our head coach presents himself in the media. Right. I think that in itself, that's something that's probably not going to get better. There's been there's never been out there ever, about selling as a, vision a coach, and, as a coach, never, ever, ever blame anything on fans or fans expectations. Like just go out there and do your job, man. Just, just show us what you're building. Like, I, I don't understand why it's so difficult to ask for. Why do these we guys? To they are supposed back and forth to be between two base and spokesmen of a program. You're supposed to be selling a vision, and, and 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 an idea of what this program could be, what it's going to look like under your stewardship. You're not only selling it to us. That's what you should be selling in the living rooms of future players, whether it be through the portal or high school. That's his job. That's what all of these guys are. They're 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 salesmen. They're always selling their brand. They're selling their program. And to just like, you know, dismissively say after the season like fans can't see it. They they don't they can't really see it. They don't understand it. Uh, you know, they they don't know what we're doing necessarily in the locker room. Show us. Tell us. You know, demonstrate it in terms of how the team improves and rallies around itself throughout the year. The team lacked culture this year. He was not able to to establish culture year 1. We saw the fact that there was clearly a 
a disconnect between Satterfield and some of the, the fickle guys. Like he wasn't able to get full buy-in and that's not entirely Satterfield's fault. Like if you're a former fickle player and your, your way of dealing with disappointment in having a new coaching staff and the fact that they might do things differently, if your method of dealing with that is to not show up to meetings and to not work as hard and to bitch and moan on social media. Yeah. I hope Satterfield gets rid of those guys. I'd rather them not be around, but it's also on Satterfield to be above that nonsense, right? Like don't whine about that or bemoan the lack of explosive running backs or whatever the case may be in the media, right? Don't tell us that don't tell a fan that it's our problem that we can't see the vision, right? We're dumb. You know, it's our problem. We, we just can't see the vision. Don't tell us that. How about you just show and demonstrate an, a, a, any semblance of, of leadership, right? Just get on the mic, own the bad results and say, yeah, this is unacceptable. This is a crap year. I'm disappointed. I'm pissed off. And, and move forward accordingly. You will get into, you're going to have time. My guy. Yeah. He's going to have to have time, but it's a, I guess it's, it's back to your point with the vision. Like, dude, explain to me in what universe playing to a two quarterback alternating system is, is, has been successful. And now explain to me why it's going to be successful here. Or are you looking at, were we actually looking for the future? Were we actually looking just to give who we think the guy who's going to be the starting quarterback or do we want to give him live reps, but we also wanted to just, you know, I brought the guy here to start. I made promises to and whatever. Just tell us. Well, instead, like you see it back and forth, you get inconsistency. And at sometimes we, I guess we all as fans know that, that playing two quarterbacks rarely works out. If it, it was a very yeah, successful thing, system, when he started you doing would that, see it. When he started doing that, we weren't doing a two quarterback system to, win games win. necessarily like we really weren't it was a That's matter of so why wouldn't you just go with the guy that you want to get the reps for next year and just say let's go because he doesn't think the guy is on the roster for next year that's my my read on the quarterback situation and the fact that he handled it the way he did he does not believe brady lichtenberg is a starting quarterback next year he's probably doesn't even believe he's the backup quarterback the fact that he he was so half-hearted in his in in the in the way in which he played brady lichtenberg it reeked of I'm only doing this to placate to the the noise and the growing discontent amongst the fan base as it pertains to Emory Jones' performance. And the fact we didn't see Drogosh speaks to the fact that I also think he does not view him as an answer for next season because you're already seeing us tied and having rumors to redshirt freshman quarterback, young quarterbacks who could theoretically come in and compete for the starting job next season. You're already seeing names attached to Cincinnati as a potential option. And already the difference in in like why why that person, why quarterback A versus Drogosh? Well, the difference is going to be experience and gameplay. But Drogosh had an opportunity this season to get some experience and still keep this red shirt that everyone cares about. You could have done that, but he still didn't put him on the field. And it's because Satterfield doesn't believe he's close. And Satterfield doesn't actually think he's a legitimate option to start next season. <laughs> And so the way he handled Emory Jones this year, to me, just says Satterfield doesn't think the quarterback's on the team. And honestly, he's, I'll trust him. Like, that's probably right. And now it's on him. He's got to go find, find a starting quarterback for next season. Probably wants to find two of them. He probably wants to find two and have a legitimate competition to see who could be starting for the Bearcats next year because it was a true weakness this season. Emory Jones could run a little bit, but the throwing was way too inconsistent. It did hold the team back. I've heard rumors that the staff actually said they got exactly what they expected out of Emory Jones. That's a whole different can of worms. I don't, I don't know why or why you, why are you bringing him in and essentially declaring him the starting quarterback after spring ball? If this is what you were expecting and this is what you're going to get. If that's the case, we should have just kept Ben Bryant period. <laughs> so we'll see, but uh, that's my read. The Lichtenberg and Drogosh thing, I, I think it's just they're not going to be the starting quarterbacks next year. That's why they didn't play. I like I like that take. Uh I could I could see you being being correct. Um I could also see you being incorrect because the the fact that we did see Lichtenberg get get reps. Um but long story short, 
Sadie Daddy, he's the CEO of this of this team. He's under contract to be a CEO with an extensive buyout. He's not going anywhere. Um, he'll get his shot to to prove all the haters, including myself, wrong. Yeah, I, um, he might make us look like idiots. That'd be awesome, wouldn't yeah. it? He would won't. be would be amazing. I guess what I want to see going forward is is just better play, smarter play. Stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, you know, so you know. Be a leader in that regard. Explain your vision for the team, what what we should expect, you know, and, you know, let us see that that you're actually, you know, trying to fulfill that vision. And well, it starts in the Hummer. I think we don't even have to talk about what we expect in play next year. We get to watch the winter. We get to see how he fills out next year's roster. Who are we bringing in? Because recruiting... Recruiting in NIL was the strength of Scott Satterfield. Recruiting in NIL was the strength of Scott Satterfield coming into this job. It was one of the main selling points we heard from Cunningham. One of the main selling points we heard from the, the BCJ mouthpiece. Like that's, that's what we heard, right? That is his forte. So let's see him deliver upon that this winter. Well, it's going to be, I think he's, he's in for an uphill battle because I know we're going to have a lot of departures on the portal again. Uh, just like we saw after you know Fickle left, uh, we're going to see a wave of of players transfer. So we're going to have to not only replenish them. Hopefully, the the high school recruiting is going to also pick up. Um, so look, next year I, I think it's going to be tough, and we just need to see better actual execution on the field from the players that are on the field. Did you see this rumor? No, what's the rumor? Texas quarterback Arch Manning was spotted. <clears throat> in Cincinnati, Ohio this afternoon with Bearcats head coach Scott Satterfield. No way, that's just, real. Just kidding. It was uh, Starkville, Mississippi with Bulldog, Mississippi State Bulldogs head coach Jeff Levy. I was gonna say there's no way. There's no way. I, I know, I know, I know <laughs> since he reigns is out there doing a fantastic job raising funds for, for NIL, but I think we're we're not in the same stratosphere of money being able to afford uh a little, a little Manning. <laughs> we'll chat uh, later. Okay. It's uh, yeah. always good to see you, my friend. Free Jamil Reynolds. Full pressure. Dude, we we didn't mention it in the basketball pod. Can we? We need Jamil Reynolds depth? in this lineup. Let him play basketball. The added depth that he would bring. Mm. Oh my mm. God! Go Bearcats! Go Bearcats! <laughs>